Welcome to the Three Questions Podcast. We take questions from our church family, do our very best to answer them from a biblical worldview. All of us have the privilege to serve the Lord's Church here locally at Southern Hills Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. Doug Melton is our lead pastor. Randy Whittall is our pastor of missions and evangelism. Jeremy Johnson is our pastor of media and community outreach. My name is Daniel Snow, and I get to be pastor of discipleship and young adults. We uh, continue to get great questions, and three ways you can turn those in are by going to the website, myshbc.com slash contact, or you can email podcast at myshbc.com with the number three at the beginning, or you can text 505-258-2076, and all those questions will be kept anonymous and a pretty neat thing about all three of these questions today is that it just it shows that people are reading their bibles that is exactly right Uh, and and not just reading it but pausing and thinking Mm -hmm. okay now that's interesting or yeah and that's good i think i need to ask that question yeah Yeah. well and like you always open with i mean there's a reason i think why god wrote the, his word the way he did it and the way he worded it, because it's not something you just leisurely scroll mm-hmm. through and understand. I mean, he means for us, for, for it to be thought provoking and, yeah. and it does. He likes for us to think. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And each time we read through it, it's, it's something else will That's right. make us think, yeah. which is such a wonderful thing about the word of God. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, the first question we have is, the the book of Enoch, is it a good book, bad book, or just a book? Every time I read through Jude, I wonder about this book that Jude references in verses 14 and 15. Do you think Enoch wrote it, and does it add helpful insights? Yeah, and, and whenever we say Jude references it, that would be very similar to whenever Paul in Acts chapter 17 references something that the poets knew. Right. Yeah. And uh, and so I think what like Pastor Doug's saying here is we have Jude who's writing and he's referring to something that he probably assumes is fairly common knowledge mm-hmm. to people. Familiar to his audience. Exactly, exactly. And and it's a f- saying that that's attributed to Enoch, and he specifically makes it a point to say Enoch the seventh from from Adam, mm-hmm. not not just any Enoch. We can assume there were had lots of Enochs, but uh, but he wants to make sure we understand this is the seventh uh, prophecy that was attributed to uh, to that Enoch. And so, uh, so even though Jude references it, that doesn't necessarily mean that what he referenced is inspired scripture. Right. Right. Yeah. And so whether it's a good book, a bad book, or just a book, I don't know if if we could answer that question. Uh, He's referencing it. I would assume that by him assuming that his audience was aware of it, that is probably something that was accepted, at least in that day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even though we can be pretty sure that Enoch did not personally write Enoch, the book of Enoch, um, it does seem like Jude thinks and assumes that the saying that he's referring to, Enoch did originally say. And that's totally possible. Even though Enoch didn't write it, it could have been passed down orally through the generations and then recorded in the book of Enoch. 
still that doesn't mean it has to be scripture. I mean, and that's that's important, I think, sometimes for us as Christians to realize that just because God did use certain people as uh, his inspired authors of the scripture, even those, which Enoch wasn't one of those, but even those, whether that's Paul in the New Testament, whether that's Moses in the Old Testament, every time they spoke or even wrote something down doesn't mean it was scripture. Those The, the things that are scripture are very specific. Um, and so even if, yeah, so that's just, that's important for us to know, like to, to not just assume, man, every time Paul spoke or wrote a letter to anybody ever anywhere it must have been scripture no no like these are specific inspired words of god that's right in fact as we read through first and second corinthians we know there were two other letters yeah. to the corinthians that we don't have mm-hmm. and and there's purpose in that god didn't want us to have those those weren't times apparently when paul was being inspired by the holy spirit to record god's words so, yeah. and, and other attempts at gospels right yes yeah so so I think to answer the the reader's question again, we really can't say it's a good book, it's a bad book. Right. Uh, there are lots of books that we consider apocryphalic, you know, that were written between the testaments mm-hmm. that may have may contain a lot of truth and a lot of historical accuracy, but that doesn't mean they were inspired by God. Right. Yeah, that's helpful. Okay. Second question. In Ezekiel chapter 14, verses 7 through 11, what does it mean when God says he has deceived the prophet? What can we learn from this? Okay, so several things that I think we can we can take from this. Uh, the context here is that uh, there's, there's times the Lord is speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, saying there's times when people are going to want prophecies that tickle their ears that are what they want to hear and they're going to go to uh, a supposed prophet and ask for that and there are going to be times when a prophet will agree to do that and and give a false prophecy and and the lord is saying this is something that we see throughout scripture and we know is true in all of life as the sovereign lord over all things both the good and the evil are under his command and his control at all times being used to serve his own purposes. In other words, nothing can ever outdo or undo God's providence. And so, so absolutely we know from the book of Job, as well as many, many other evidences that yes, God allows Satan to tempt, but even that is under his, that's not Satan being in ultimate control. God right. is even even over that that's exactly and the right. allowing of that, and it will be used by God for his own purposes. Yeah, you're right. And I think, you know, even Paul, I think, you know, he makes reference about the, the people will seek after teachers that basically speak to what their ears want to hear. And he condemns that. And this is Ezekiel doing the same thing, you know, in chapter 14, he condemns uh, these false prophets. And later on, I think it's chapter 34, he's going to condemn sh- what he calls shepherds, fat shepherds or mm-hmm. that, that live by fleecing their own sheep, you know. And, and uh, so I think what we're supposed to take away from this are a couple of, of things. One, we need to be wary. We need to be aware of our own uh, heart. And when we're seeking God to make sure that we're truly seeking 
to be pleasing to God, not trying to use God in some way to get what we want, to mm-hmm. make it, to sort of try to make him a magic genie of some sort who's there when we need him. And that's what these guys were doing. The Bible says their hearts were full of idolatry and, and they had no real interest in the Lord. They were just trying to use the prophet as a way of either giving themselves some street cred or something. I don't know, mm-hmm. but they were just seeking something, but they really weren't seeking God. So we need to be aware of that because God, you know, scripture over and over again, even Jesus, you know, in John chapter three, John reminds us that Jesus knows the heart of men. God knows our hearts. He knows when we are sincerely seeking after him and when when we're trying to pose mm-hmm. uh, as as a faithful follower, and, and he condemns that. Well, that was yesterday's passage. They came pretending to be sincere mm-hmm. in Luke chapter 20, and he knew that. That's right. And knew, knowing their craftiness. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. And, and then I'd also say one more thing, and that is... We need to be very. We need, God takes very seriously this role of prophet. Hmm. Uh, you know, a prophet was someone who could look at God's people and say, "Thus saith the Lord." And on multiple occasions, he condemns, specifically on at least on one, condemns to death anyone who professes to prophesy in the name of the Lord, and a prophecy doesn't come mm-hmm. to pass. And so we also need to be careful when we try to use God's word to proof text something that we want to happen or to try to, you know, when we're, if we're going to be putting God's word out there, we need to know that we're truly trying to represent the truth of scripture and God's heart and God's intent and not misusing scripture for just to try to win a point here or Mm -hmm. win an argument or something. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Exactly. And, and we know like from Romans one, that there are times when at times God gives someone over to their own evil desires. And I I think that could be said of, of these false prophets. And even still this serves God's larger plan and purpose in the world, which is to be glorified and enjoyed forever by all who will turn to him. And, and so I think the person asks at the end of their question, what can we learn from this? I think one of the main things for me to learn from this is don't panic. Um, even when you hear false prophets, you know, who are, who are spewing out false prophecies, even this somehow is serving a purpose in God's plan for his people. In other words, God is never on the ropes. Even when we see something deceptive happening, doesn't mean that we don't need to do all we can to bring clarity and truth. But even as we see that happen, and even as we see people following a deception, we, we never need to panic as if, oh man, now God's on the ropes. He's yeah. not. He's in charge even over that. I, I would, and I would want to add this. Uh, he is our God is not the God of deception. Mm-hmm. We we know that, and and yet He can use just like what what Daniel was saying. Uh, to me, something that would be analogous to that would be that God is not the God, the author of confusion. The Scripture tells us that, and yet God could use confusion at the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He confused the languages of the people. Well. So he's a God who confuses? No, he's not the author of confusion, but he can use those things to 
mm-hmm. for his purposes. Right. That's right. Yeah. And uh, uh, he he confused the armies in Second Chronicles chapter twenty. The he had his people begin singing, and it confused. He confused the enemy camp, and so God God is not on the ropes. I love that statement. He is in control. God can use those things for His glory, That's for right. His purposes. Yeah, That's right. it's good. Yeah, that is good. That's encouraging. <laughs> it is. It is to be reminded because we are always going to see things that we're just like, what? And just to know, okay, somehow I don't have to claim to know how. Somehow, even this fits within His ultimate plan. And ultimately, to remember, I, I loved what you said a second ago. And ultimately, to remember that. But for the grace of God, there go I. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, while that right. guy may be saying stuff that to me sounds like utter folly, the only reason I may recognize it as folly is because God was gracious to me and called me out of my own folly mm-hmm. and saved me at some point. And so while, you know, we may we may not agree with the person's message, we still need to see that person as somebody who for whom Christ died and uh, and try to approach it that way as a, uh, with grace and mercy and the fact that this person is going to figure into God's plan someday. Mm-hmm. And mean, we think, don't know. Yeah. They may still come to know him. That's right. right. I mean, think of Saul who became Paul. Mm-hmm. You know. That's good. Okay. Third question. Has water always existed based on Genesis 1-2 and 2 Peter Three five, and I've got that Second Peter three five, um, and that says, uh, "For they deliberately overlooked this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God." Um, and verse and then, six, do yeah, a, go ahead. Verse six says, "And that by means of these, the world that." then existed was deluged deluged with water and perished. So just talking about how water was used also in judgment. All right. And so then we have Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So I think Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created... Heavens and the earth. So, so I think the first thing we want to clarify is, no, water did not pre-exist creation. God, God was the author of everything there is. And everything there is, exactly like you were preaching yesterday, Doug, everything there is was created from nothing, simply by God's word and will. He brought things in, into existence. So let we want to clarify there that, no, water did not always exist. God created water. Now, when we go through the days of creation, mm-hmm. we do see that that you know there was light and darkness, and then there was a separation of the waters above from the waters below. And then the Bible tells us that God gathered the waters into one place so that there would be dry land. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, yes, water and in, in, in the order of creation, water was over everything before there was dry land yeah, apparently. Yeah. But water was still part of the creative work of of God. Yeah. Does that not make a sense? pre-existing exactly. uh material. Right. Yeah. There it wasn't a prime material from which everything else mm-hmm. was was made. Yeah. 
No, that's, yeah. that's helpful. And as a matter of fact, there are those who have argued, well, as a matter of fact, one of the ways they get around in the beginning God created, one of the ways that some folks, skeptics, would get around God as creator is that, well, matter is eternal. It's just always been here. And yet there are those who study this type of thing, astrophysicists, who have refuted that now and said, no, that's not the evidence we're seeing. Hmm. We're seeing that there is evidence that there was a beginning hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so completely agreeing with Randy, water did not, there is not something besides God that's co-eternal. Right. Right. Yeah. Eternal in both directions, which just, you know, it's fun just to even try to think about eternal in both directions yeah. like God is and he, and he's the only one but man I mean not only never ending but never beginning too yeah. cool um, and, and the whole principle of thinking about a God who exists outside of time mm-hmm. we you know we are so chronological in our creation that we can't begin to imagine living in the past and the future and the present at, at the <laughs> at the same time mm-hmm. but God exists like that and so uh which is helpful when you get to verses you know like when it talks about and god you know casts our sins and remembers them no more well does that mean god forgets how can an omniscient god forget well no it's just that because god god doesn't live in the past there's nothing he has to go back and remember Mm -hmm. from yesterday because yesterday doesn't exist for for god and so those those types of things just boggle our minds to think about god in that term and we certainly see the importance of water in Scripture. Absolutely, yeah. Used pretty pretty importantly both in the creative work that, that Randy's just talked about and then also in judgment mm-hmm. um, with the worldwide flood, with the, with the great flood. Um, yeah, God absolutely uses water in, in His work. Um, I mean, there's other things. We see it as... The washing of the, the Word. Yes, yeah. yeah. Well, and even... Uh, Jesus's discussion with Nicodemus, where he t- t- tends to say, you know, the, unless a man be born of water and of spirit, mm-hmm. you know, where it sort of seems to say, okay, there's spiritual things and physical things, and water represents the physical uh, side of creation, and so. And Jesus said, "I am the living water." Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 which flows to eternal life. It plays a, a critical role. But Absolutely. not eternal. And we even know there's going to be water in the new heaven and the new earth. There's going to be That's a river right. of water river. flowing mm-hmm. from the throne. I mean, so uh, yeah, it's it's a, there's no denying that it is a, a a critical part of creation. It's going to be a critical part, apparently, of the new creation. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it's good good stuff. <laughs> um, Hebrews eleven three helps us on this whole issue of uh, you know did it exist before creation. By faith, we understand that the universe, so the entire universe, was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible, or that's just another way of things that already existed. Mm -hmm. Um, So it really is Him creating with no pre-existing material. Yeah. Yeah. And to reference Doug's sermon yesterday and what he said teaches us over and over again, This is why it really is so critical the way we read and understand the first three chapters of Genesis Mm. as to how we will interpret the remaining chapters Mm -hmm. of of God's Word. 
we just, I mean, it is, I, I, we can't emphasize enough how important it is for us to understand or at least to try to grasp this concept of a God who needed nothing but himself to speak everything <laughs> into existence. Yeah. I mean, it just makes you just want to worship him. I mean, it just yeah. makes you so thankful that we have such a huge God to worship. I mean, we're, I mean, and that he doesn't need anything. Yeah. Right. And yeah. yet he chooses to pursue us, to seek us, to, to, to give his own son for us. I mean, my word, how cool is that? Yeah. Yeah. We're dependent upon water. We have to have it. We're mm -hmm. dependent upon air. We're dependent upon food, shelter. There's many things, help. Mm -hmm. We we can't survive without help, but mm -hmm. God doesn't need any of those. Yeah, our existence just hangs by a thread in so many ways, and yet God doesn't. Which means that everything that He does for our good is only because He wants to. That's right. Not because He needs to. <laughs> Man, that's that's awesome. That is. Yeah. That's good. Um, Grace of God. So for everybody out there who thinks you're unwanted, unloved, and nobody cares about you, you could not be more wrong. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. there is a God who loves you and cares about you and thinks about you constantly and created you and did all of this so he could relate to us. That's pretty neat. Yes. Okay. Well, wherever you are listening to this, thanks for making the time. Thanks to Jeremy Johnson for producing this podcast. And just remember, if it, this was helpful to you, you might subscribe or rate or share, and that might help someone else as well. Or send gifts. <laughs> Feel free. Yeah. Feel free to do that too. Um, okay. And remember, until next time, the God of the Bible is never surprised or offended by our honest questions. <laughs>